Hi, it's your friend Tig. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you listeners for sticking with me and for all the dilemmas you've created so we can have content for the show. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Wishing you and yours a lovely day, however you spend it. And if you're not spending it with anyone or you don't like Thanksgiving or the holidays are rough, I feel for you. I'll be thinking of you. And I think all the Beckys and Danas will also have you in mind during this season as well. This year, I'm very, very scaled down. It's just going to be me, Stephanie, and our boys. And we're just going to have the four of us making and eating some food and just relaxing. That's all I want. And it's all that's going to happen. But I have to say, it is my favorite holiday. I do love it so much. But this Thanksgiving, I just really feel like I needed time just with my immediate family. And I'm so looking forward to it. But that's it. I just wanted to wish everyone the best, whatever you're doing, however you're feeling. And that's that. And now here is the show. You were trying to convince the kangaroos to come to our show. Mm -hmm. And so I have this video of you like very calmly explaining to the kangaroos where the show is and it's going to be great and show up. And these are actual kangaroos on a golf course. Yes. And we didn't really think that the signs applied to us where they said, beware of the kangaroos. Well, because we also (laughs) didn't understand that beware of the kangaroos meant they would kill you. Yes. I didn't know that. I just thought they were as cute (laughs) and sweet as the stuffed animals and cartoons appeared to be. And this is why we were hanging out really close to them. And then I see out of the corner of my eye, the biggest kangaroo just charging toward you. Probably 10 feet tall. Yeah, it was insane. (laughs) And I got so panicked and all I could say was, Oh, geez, Tig. Oh, geez, Tig. (laughs) Keep in mind, not a single kangaroo came to any of our shows. No. After the personal invitation on a golf course. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. In this holiday season, I'm gratefully giving thanks and reluctantly giving advice. My guest today is an actress, comedian, and musician. Her credits include Raising Hope, Big Bang Theory, and voicing Velma in Scooby-Doo. She's also one half of the musical comedy duo Garfunkel and Oates, and most recently starred in the Netflix anthology series, Cabinet of Curiosities. Kate Micucci, my dear, dear friend, I'm so pleased to have you here on Don't Ask Tig. Hi, Tig. Thank you for that intro. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I love this. Of course. Yeah. So far, it's really fun. (laughs) (laughs) One minute in and we're doing great. Yes. I was going to say I have a lot of different friends and acquaintances, and you're actually a really good friend of mine. 
Yes, I love that we're such good friends, and I just got to see you the other day, so I feel like I know we just hung out for real, and now here we are. Here we are. So thank you for having me on your podcast, Tig. It is my pleasure, and I was just thinking back to how we became friends. We were both performing at the comedy festival in Australia, in Melbourne, as they pronounce it out there, and my apologies to the people out there that just heard me pronounce it. Melbourne. 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 That's how they say it. Right? I, it is. I yeah. think how you say yeah. it, right? I don't know. I mean, I think for us to say Melbourne or Melbourne, I guess yeah. that's not the right way. So yeah, Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea until I got out there and Melbourne. 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 I know. I was thinking about that this morning too, just thinking that we were going to be talking and how we had like a magical two weeks. We hung out every day for I two know. whole weeks and that really solidified our friendship in such a great way. Indeed. And it's perfect that this is coming out just before Thanksgiving, because as I mentioned, you really are one of my closest friends. And I appreciate your friendship. I mean, we're both so busy with our spouses and children and careers. But whenever I get to spend time with you or catch up, it's always like, ah, it feels so good. And um you're staying home for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, not- yeah, we're staying here. And and thanks. I feel the same way. Even just the other night when we were at that show, I just felt so like filled up afterwards, uh-huh. you know? But yeah, I yeah, we're staying in town for Thanksgiving. I have a tradition. I make cinnamon rolls mm-hmm. and then watch the parade. And I've been doing that since I was like 15 and it's my favorite thing. I love the parade so much. You love a parade. Every parade makes me cry. And if I'm in a parade, forget about it. I just cry the whole time. <laughs> that is incredible. And what are you um, thankful for this year? Oh, I don't know. For everything. For uh-huh. my family. Everybody is, knock on wood, healthy and happy. And yeah, there's a lot to be thankful for in that sense. And um, mm-hmm. I'm thankful for you, Tig. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did I do it right? Okay, good. <laughs> well, I'm thankful for you as well. Now, your latest project, Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix, it's a horror series. Yep. And being a comedian, what was it like doing horror? And do you enjoy horror? I don't like to be too scared. I love mm-hmm. like suspense and I love kind of like mind bendy things. Yeah. But scary like guts stuff. I normally don't gravitate toward, you know? Yeah. But I love getting to act in it and do it. And uh-huh. the episode I'm in is called The Outside. And I play a woman who really wants to be beautiful. And so she uses this beauty cream thinking she's going to turn beautiful. And instead, things get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little scary. I think more suspenseful. It's actually not too scary. And I think in many ways, there is a bit of like humor in it, too. Mm. It was a blast to shoot. Martin Starr plays my husband and we laughed so much. He's so great. He is amazing. He's just such a good guy. And we've Mm -hmm. always been friends, but like, you know, we really got to hang. And there were many times we were just like laughing so much. Like, how are we going to stop laughing? And then, you know, have to act in something kind of crazy and scary and good. That is the best. It is the best feeling. I think we were even talking about this the other night of like so many projects that you can work on where people can be not so great. Yeah. And I'm all in for a good time on a project. It's all just about having a great time and and enjoying the people around you. And I think it's trickier, especially with COVID and like people are separated a little bit on set, you know, you can't really like mingle as much, but still it's like, that project, we had such a fun time. The director is this really, really cool director, Anna Lily Amapur, and she 
I've never worked with someone who played music during a scene to mm. like really feel it. You know, so yeah. when I was a kid, my brother and I used to make movies in our backyard and I would didn't know how to edit the music in later. So I would just like play the Jurassic Park soundtrack while the scene was happening. <laughs> and that's what it felt like. It was so much fun. I felt like we were just like kids in the backyard making a movie with just a much bigger budget. <laughs> so. Do you still have the footage of the movies oh, you made? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do. Oh, they're brutal. Oh, my gosh. You have to start uploading those somewhere. Oh, they're so terrible. I don't know that I'd ever <laughs> upload them, but I would totally show you those. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. Well, I'll I'll report back to everyone. <laughs> okay, great. And uh, Kate, you're an alum of Keystone College in Pennsylvania, and you were asked to give the commencement address this past spring. Which yeah, is very cool. Did you give advice in your speech? I did. I actually really enjoyed writing that speech. I didn't uh-huh. know that I would like and it was just fun. I thought, OK, if I just had one graduate sitting in front of me, what would I want to tell them? Yeah. And that's kind of how I approached the speech. And I really like came up with like the things that I use. And what'd you say? Um, I mean, I don't want to hear the whole speech. Yeah, you know, probably still have it on my computer. Let me pull. I'm kidding. I won't do the whole speech. <laughs> Uh, and I also I wrote a song at the end because I thought, oh, people do know me for like playing the ukulele. I might as well write a little ukulele song for the for the college. And then I like started almost crying. I felt so emotional because, again, like I love parades. I love anything where there's like a lot of people united doing the same thing. And to see all these graduates with their caps and gowns just staring at me while I had my ukulele, I like really was choked up while singing about Keystone College. Um, I'm trying to remember the advice. Like one of them was this test I do. Like if I'm ever thinking on a big decision and I don't know Mm -hmm. which way to go, I usually Mm -hmm. write out the pros and the cons. And I Mm -hmm. really kind of like think about it so much before going to bed. And then in the morning, my first thought about it, that's what I end up doing. Oh, yeah. So you do the pros and cons list right before bed. Yep. And I think on it a lot. And then in the morning, I usually have a clear answer. That's a really good idea. And do you feel like the success rate swings in your favor? Yeah, I feel like almost all the time that I've done that specific thing, I've made the correct decision for myself. That's good. But I will say, like, it's not that I do it all the time. It's always when there's like a big, you know, a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Should I do Don't Ask Tig? Yeah, that was a big Uh one. Right. (laughs) And that is the advice you gave during the the speech? That was one of the things I said. I'm trying to remember. You know, I oh, I another thing I talked about was like finding people who have similar en- interests and like teaming up and and how mm-hmm. powerful it can be to have people that you work with and when there's two people who are working in the same direction, yeah. it just adds so much power to the motor, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that way with Stephanie. I feel yeah. like once she and I connected I mean, obviously, romantically, things moved quickly, but also it took us a few years, two or three years before we collaborated creatively. And when we did, everything moved quickly as well. It was really something. It's pretty cool when it's undeniable that you can just feel it happening and you're like, Mm -hmm. whoa, now this is almost taking off faster than I even intended, you know, Mm -hmm, for sure. And then Kate Velma, the Scooby-Doo character who you've voiced for many years, came out this year 
as officially LGBTQ in Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. Yeah. What was your reaction to her coming out? I was so thrilled. I remember when I got the script, I was like, no way, no way. And then when we were recording it, I just couldn't help myself. Like, I was always like, this is so cool, you guys. This is a big deal. This is so awesome. Like, I just kept commenting as we were recording it because it turned out so well, too. It's such a great scooby-doo movie so um yeah i'm just proud that she's out and able to live the life she wants to live and was there (laughs) yeah when i was a kid watching scooby-doo i wasn't thinking about anybody's gender or sexuality you know what i mean totally was there speculation that she was gay i think so i feel like i've always like throughout the years especially since i've played her i've read little things or people Mm -hmm. have said things but it was never like a a thing i don't think i feel like Peppermint Patty was very much the obvious. Right. Like, this is likely somebody that's not going to end up married to a man. (laughs) And just a little side note, I played Peppermint Patty in the fourth or fifth grade school play. Did you do your Good Man Charlie Brown? I think so. Yeah. I love that show. And when you say you love that show, I'm assuming you mean the one that I was in. That one, Uh, that specific one. Okay. Your peppermint patty. <laughs> I'll never forget it. <laughs> I think I had to wear a dress, but then I wore a baseball hat and I was pretty miserable because I didn't want to be in that dress. I hated wearing dresses too. Oh, the worst. I would have to wear dresses for piano recitals when I was little mm-hmm. and I would beg to wear. Do you remember in the 80s they had those shorts called jams? They were just kind of like colorful shorts. And I'd be like, can I, I please wear my jams under my dress? <laughs> I just want to wear my jams. <laughs> I don't know about jams. I haven't really thought about jams in a long time. I'm going to have to look it up and even see if it was a thing or if maybe Mm -hmm. it was just something my mom called my shorts. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Your mother is known for giving names to things and people. This is true. (laughs) Kate's mother calls me the Tig. So there you go. My parents love you. It's so funny. It was so great. You are one of the only like friends from L.A. that have come to visit my Uh parents' house in Pennsylvania. Because it worked out that we were in Philly and then we took the bus and they picked us up at the bus station. That was so much fun. It was fun slash embarrassing. (laughs) I am not, as I've said a million times, the biggest drinker that you'll come across. And it was your father, right? He was making vodka or gin and tonics. One or the other. Yeah. Mike Micucci makes a real big drink. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he offered me one and I thought, well, I'll just have this. And so I had it. (laughs) I was sitting in the recliner and I passed out middle of the afternoon in the recliner, fully reclined. And then I woke up later in the day, still in the recliner reclined. And your parents' neighbors had come over and were in the same room just (laughs) chatting with their neighbors (laughs) while I was passed out on the recliner. I can't even explain the confusion and embarrassment (laughs) when I woke up. In this recliner in this small town in Pennsylvania with your parents and their neighbors sitting and chatting while I slept. (laughs) My version of that is we were both really tired. And I also was taking a nap on the couch, but I was like in and out kind of. And I just Uh remember kind of being like, oh, the neighbors are here. And they're like having this conversation like, oh, yep, she's a comedian. Like talking about you (laughs) while While you're sleeping. passed out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. Has she been on any shows? And, you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well. Uh, the TIG. The TIG. Leave it to the TIG. Kate, are you ready to give these listeners some advice? You betcha. Let's do it. All right. Well, you grew up in Pennsylvania, and this first question is from a listener who lives there now. Oh, great. Lindsay writes, I live with my fiance in a suburb outside of Philadelphia. One night, we were driving home in the evening after a school performance, and we wanted to order a pizza for pickup. I turned on my phone, called the generically named pizza shop on the way home, asked what time they closed. They said 12 midnight and ordered a pizza. When we arrived at the pizza place around 10, it was closed. We realized that when I turned on my phone, it automatically generated my search for places in New York City. So our pizza was waiting for us two hours away. We could not agree on what to do next. Call the New York pizza shop to apologize. Pay for the pizza we won't eat. Don't call at all, assuming they have a procedure for extra pizza. Um, Lindsay, out of the gate, you've got to be a fairly decent human being that you're still thinking about this to the point of <laughs> asking advice, writing in. But um, I would lean towards reaching out to the pizza place and explaining what happened and sorting it through with them. I've worked at pizza places and no pizza goes uneaten behind the scenes, but it certainly wouldn't hurt to call and connect with them and explain what happened and offer to pay. They might be like, don't even worry. Sam in the kitchen gobbled that down immediately. And I highly doubt they even remember it because I feel like things just go awry all the time in kitchens. But paying for it would certainly be nice or extending yourself to at least have the conversation. I agree. I think in the moment when I realized that I would have just called and offered. Mm -hmm. I feel like it'd be weird to do that now, like Mm -hmm. taking this advice now and then calling saying, hey, a month ago, you know. Yeah, but you can also, even if you did, just honestly say, I've been so paralyzed by what to do. And I'm sorry this is coming so late, but this did happen a month ago. As you were reading that, I thought the story was going to take like a crazier turn and that like they were like, let's just hop on a train and go pick up the pizza. You know, that would have been really like just a fun adventure and a great life story. You know, yeah. maybe still take a train to New York. It's not that far. Yeah. See if the pizzas still wait. What if it was? What if Lindsay walked into that place and there was a pizza sitting there with her name? Just Kind of gross and old. Very gross and old. Yeah. Not even kind of, just very gross and old sitting there. Lindsay, pick up your pizza. I think that is the best advice. Go get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go, get, Go get your pizza. Now, Lindsay, I would say just be honest with them that you didn't know what to do. And if you are embarrassed, say, I'm embarrassed it took me a month to do this. And then, you know, say that you listen to Don't Ask Tig, tell them they should listen to Don't Ask Tig, tell them to tell their friends to listen to Don't Ask Tig. And, you know, I think you'll get your pizza situation sorted out quickly. But that's what we have to say about it. Thanks for writing in. And Kate, it's time for a break. Then we have more questions. Sounds good.
we are back. Kate, this next question is from Stacy. Stacy writes, first of all, I love your love story. How did you know your person was the one? What advice would you have for us single folk? Thank you, Stacy. I love my love story as well. How did I know Stephanie was the one? I think the ease that presented just immediately. I know that in previous relationships, as much as I was into someone or committed, I was always thinking, hmm, that kind of we'll see or just kind of bouncing around in my head from yes, no, I don't know. But I was still enjoying people. I just didn't have that solidified feeling that I had when I met Stephanie, where I immediately thought, oh my gosh, I want to spend my life with this person. That's how I knew. What about you, Kate? Uh, You know, I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but again, it was like, I know this sounds cliche, but it's that feeling. Like, it's like, you know, people talk about it. And I think like you, I had dated a lot of people and like I'd had that feeling, ah, maybe or, or, but like if you're rattling around in your head, other options or what else is out there, yeah, it's not the right thing. And yeah. then when I met Jake, I remember on our second date, we went out for brunch and then he said, do you want to go look at houses? And I was like, really? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So we pretended that we were together like for a long mm-hmm. time and that we were looking for a house to buy. And it was, which I just <laughs> also say that's a great fun date, like no matter what. Yeah. Um, and we even like got like caught in the way that like would be in a movie. We're like, oh, where do you live? And we both said different <laughs> places. And we were like, oh, oh, oh. Um, we have two apartments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know this is going to sound so weird. But while I was driving around with Jake on that date, I remember feeling like my grandmother was with us. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I remember feeling like she was like, yes, Katie, this is a good one. Like I just yeah. I had never felt that before. And I was just like, wow, I really feel, I remember feeling very safe with him. And Mm -hmm. he was also a very good driver, which I think Uh sometimes when I've been on dates, I was like, oh no, they're like a crazy driver. So I remember thinking I was very safe and that my grandmother was with us. And I took that as a sign. (laughs) (laughs) That's hot. Yeah. That is a hot first date to to be driving your grandmother around at uh, at 10 miles an hour. It's true. It's so true. And after our second date, it went so well. Our brunch turned into like 5 p.m. And I actually had a date later that night with someone else. Uh And I said, I got to go. And and he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I have a date. And he was like, oh, okay. And then I felt so bad. And the entire time I was on this other date, I was thinking about Jake. And I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And then I remember calling him and just being like, that date didn't matter. I really, really like you. And <laughs> no then that more was dates it for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I had a, I had a similar situation where I had gone out with Stephanie, but wasn't sure if I should cancel with somebody else. And I thought, well, I should probably just go out with this other girl. And Stephanie knew, you know, she was saying, look, I'm not expecting you to not go out with other people. And I said, well, I do have this other date and I just feel like I should do that. And then I did. And it was a disaster. And as soon as I walked out the door, I turned the corner, pulled over, called Stephanie. And I was just like, I'm finished with that date. Can I see you now? And I immediately went and met up with her at like 10 o'clock. I couldn't wait to see her again. So 
I don't know. I feel like, Stacy. I think there's advice within those stories, just meaning it's so dumb to say, but you know, you know, you know, yeah. you know. And I never understood that. And if you don't know, and you're sitting there thinking, I don't know, is this, is this, then you don't know. Yeah. But when you know, it's unmistakable. I think that's perfect advice. Because mm-hmm. you, and I just think trying to make something work it, it, it's really hard. It, it doesn't, it's just not the thing. Mm-mm. There'll be something that comes along that's just easy. Yeah. And then, and, and then within that, it, it's not always easy, but like, I think the beginning, it, it should just feel so, so right. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's how Kate Micucci and I knew about our love. So good luck on finding yours too. <laughs> and don't give up hope because I will say, I feel like I dated so much. So many she did. first dates. She did. I did. I did. And <laughs> you have to put yourself out there and don't be mm-hmm. afraid to. I think that's another thing because it's like kind of like playing the lottery. You got to be in it to win it. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's true. I, look, I did not think long-term love or marriage was in the cards for me either because I dated a lot too. <laughs> Best of luck to you, Stacy And Kate, this next question is from a guy who wants to be considerate. Okay. Will writes, there's a cute girl who works the register at a convenience store. I want to ask her out or maybe give her my number, but on Reddit, I see a lot of posts by women who are frustrated, crying out to the universe. I'm not flirting with you. It's my job to be nice to you. I'd like to think I know the difference, but maybe I don't. I don't want to stress her out or ruin her day. Is there a non-invasive way to show her my interest when I see her at her work? That's a tricky one. It is. But also, I think if you're two grownups and are just nice people, mm-hmm. if he were to just say, I'm interested, mm-hmm. I think if it doesn't go well or she gets mad, as long as he doesn't say anything that's like inappropriate, which it sounds like he's not. It sounds like he's like so considerate that he's actually yeah. writing you to find out what to do. I feel like you can't go wrong in just expressing some interest, right? Yeah. Maybe drop her a little note at the counter when you leave and put your number on there. And if you hear from her, great. And if you don't, then find a new convenience store. That's a great idea. That's it. Okay. That way the pressure is off her completely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even add in the note, if I don't hear from you, I'll find a new convenience store. You don't have to see my (laughs) face again. I think that there is something to say for delivery. As you were mentioning, like if you say something weird or something overtly sexual or just weird. And it doesn't sound like you are that person, Will. So I say, don't write a long letter. Just say something short and sweet, not too sweet, but just direct. And also say, absolutely, if I don't hear from you, no hard feelings. And I'll go to a different store and you won't even have to worry about it. So, Will, there you go. We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Charlie writes, 
Hi, Tig. I would like to know how to go about finding a therapist. I've talked to a few people that seem to have matched perfectly with a therapist on their first try. I, however, have had no such luck. I've known for a while that I've needed to go to therapy. I also have a son who needs therapy as well. The first therapist I went to nodded off while I was talking. A year ago, I found a family therapist that seems to be a good fit for both myself and my son, who is 13 years old and autistic. A few weeks ago, she ended our session saying she felt like she couldn't really provide the help we needed. I'm so lost and frustrated. It's really difficult to go out there and look for help and then to have experienced these setbacks. How should I look for another therapist and what should I be looking for? Uh, I'm sorry that you had some negative experiences finding a therapist, Charlie. I know it can be discouraging to struggle to find the help that you need. You make it very clear in your question that you have a unique set of issues and the professional who is sensitive, attentive, and trained to deal with your specific life circumstances might take some time to find. But here is the good news. When you find that person, it's going to make this whole struggle worthwhile. You mentioned your son's autism. Finding the right person to help him might be a good place to start. You could search for therapists who specialize in autism or other forms of neurodivergence first, and then narrow down your search based on other factors. Also, keep in mind that once you find a therapist, it's perfectly okay to tell them about your past experiences with finding the right match. And keep in mind, even if they're not the right fit, they can still provide referrals. So any meeting still has the potential to be a positive step forward. This is a major choice and it costs you a lot of time and energy to invest in a new therapeutic relationship. So take your time and know that you're doing everything right. I've gone to many different sessions and had phone calls with numerous therapists that were not quite right. So just know it's a typical situation. I hope this has been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. We want to hear from you. Send us your therapy etiquette related questions at don'tasktig.org. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now let's get back to the show. Kate, this question comes from a foreigner wanting some help with celebrating Thanksgiving. Cal in Sweden writes, Hi, Tig and guest. That's you. That's Kate. me. Hi. <laughs> I'm having a friend over for Thanksgiving and she is vegan. Any ideas for a really delicious vegan alternative to turkey? I'm an American living in Sweden where I can't find things like tofurkey, but I do want to give my Swedish friend some semblance of an authentic Thanksgiving meal. Any ideas you can offer are greatly appreciated. You know, I have to say that people that are not vegan, they always seem to go towards something like tofurkey. And that's great, but it's not necessary. You don't have to recreate or mimic the actual part of the meal 
that is missing. Like it doesn't have to look like or taste like turkey. There are so many other options. So I wouldn't stress about tofurkey. There are things like cauliflower steak, mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms go a long way and you can get some really cool, fancy mushrooms that really kind of mimic meat. And it shocks people, even eggplant. I don't know what kind of a a cook you are, but I would say just don't worry about actually replacing the turkey. Just make something delicious and you're going to have the vibe of Thanksgiving with mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce or whatever other types of things that you add to your dinner. But I personally wouldn't be showing up to Thanksgiving thinking, where is my turkey alternative? Where's the thing that looks and tastes exactly like turkey or else I'm not going to have a good Thanksgiving? Kate, I know you're not vegan, but any thoughts on that? I'm not, but I'm also not a huge meat eater. And I was just going to say, when Thanksgiving rolls around, the thing I am least excited about is the turkey. The Mm -hmm. other stuff is so much fun. And I think there's a much easier way to make those things vegan, like you were saying. And I'm sure you can just get like the sweet potato, the vegan recipe for that. And the, you know, all these things that really make the Thanksgiving meal way more exciting. And so, yeah, if you have everything even but the turkey, it'll still feel like Thanksgiving. But I was going to say, too, there might be a really fun way to get, you know how like they have those cake competitions where they're like, is this cake or the real thing? You know, like maybe you could get some kind of vegan icing and make a cake in the shape of a turkey or just something like that. Just a fun little thing, you know, if you're really worried about representing a turkey at your meal. But I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. You will not know the difference with the mashed potatoes, the different vegetables that you put on the plate and the big turkey cake. And vegan stuffing. I mean, there you can definitely make that. There's vegan gravy. It's, it's endless. Cal, try that out and uh, let us know how it turns out. I really am curious. Kate, for our last segment, I'm going to take us back in time. This is Advice of Yesteryear. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. This is where we take a real question from an advice column of yesteryear, and we try to answer it a little better. This question comes to us from a Dorothy Dix column written in 1930. Dear Dorothy Dix, I'm a 16-year-old girl, good-looking and well-dressed, but I talk an awful lot and never stop to think before I speak. But here is my tale of woe. I can't seem to make a hit with the boys. Do you think my talking too much has anything to do with it? Sweet 16. I love her. (laughs) Oh. Do you have any advice for Sweet 16? Yeah. I mean, I just can't help but wonder why she feels that she talks too much. I feel like people have told her this because she's self-conscious about it. And I think, you know, women are expected to sometimes be quieter, especially in 1930, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh, if I could give her advice today, I would just say, be yourself as much as possible and it won't matter. And just hang in there with those boys. Somebody's going to like that you talk a lot. That's right. Yeah. Some guy is going to show up driving slow and you're going to feel like your grandmother's in the <laughs> <Exactly>. car. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I was just curious. It's, you know, you wonder where if, if she found somebody, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, almost 100 years later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope she didn't try to make herself quiet. I know. It's kind of sad to think about someone going, OK, just talk less. Just, just talk less. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to her, Tig? I would say something very similar, especially at 16. It sometimes takes a while for people to understand who they are and what they're looking for and to find the right group of people that's going to share interests and be like-minded enough to connect. And especially if there's not a lot of support in who you are, it's likely that that Sweet 16 isn't around the right people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is unfortunate when you think of anybody that didn't live the life that they really should have been living or... um, Yeah, trying to conform into what you think is the right thing, which, yeah, it sounds like she was trying to do. As soon as I figured out that I was gay and I figured out I was a comedian... I felt like my life just clicked into place. Yep. I hope Sweet 16 figured that out. But would you like to know what Dorothy Dix had to say? Yes. Okay. Hit it, Dorothy. Sweet 16, I would say yes, because if you chatter all the time without putting any thoughts into what you are saying, you must be such a bore that you can't wonder that anybody flees from you. Believe me, dear child. There is no one else in the world more tiresome as a woman who just babbles. Conversation to be agreeable is a give and take proposition. Cultivate the habit of silence and meditation. Nothing will do more to make you attractive in men's eyes or to fit you to become a more desirable wife. Dorothy! (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy! (laughs) That was such a great response. Oh my God. Dorothy is the worst. I mean, the worst. It's like relentlessly horrendous advice. I've never heard anything positive out of this woman's trap. I mean, geez, it's just, I mean, it is a different time, but sadly, I still think that a lot of those things apply and people still feel those things today. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, be who you want to be and don't let people quiet you. And yeah, that's oh, a bummer. <laughs> Dorothy! <laughs> uh, Kate. Wow. That is the end of the road for this episode of Don't Ask Tig. This was so much fun, Tig. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Um, I just want to say, yeah, check out Cabinet of Curiosities. It's actually a Christmas episode. So this Mm. holiday season, if you want a little uh, horror and a little Christmas, Mm -hmm. that's where you can find it. And also um, just want to say happy Thanksgiving. And I hope that you enjoy the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, because I know I will. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Kate will be crying in her house. I will be. Yes. I, I'll tell you, I like to look for like, oh, the person that misses their lip sync cue when the song starts or like, you know, <laughs> the person with the balloon that can't keep their balance. Like, I look for those things. It's just my favorite. Stephanie told me about her cousin's kids and they just weren't really up with what was going on in TV and, and all that kind of stuff. And then they were somehow watching the Thanksgiving parade. And one of the kids pointed and said, look, a piece of cheese. <laughs> and it was SpongeBob. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so cute. Look, a piece of cheese. Where are shorts? A piece of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like in the middle of SpongeBob's heyday. That is yeah. so funny. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, they were having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to do the show. And I can't wait for, I think I might be seeing you this weekend. Yes, I think so too. I look forward yeah. to hanging. Okay. And Alrighty. happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Tig. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 